This week on Understanding Immigration, Borderline Insanity with Jenny Tear. And when you talk with the migrants, you hear exactly how shifts in rhetoric or policies in the United States are changing their patterns and their thoughts about whether to continue on with the journey or not. Coming to you from Washington, D.C., you are now listening to FAIR's Understanding Immigration Podcast. Hey, everyone. Thanks for joining us today on Understanding Immigration. With me today, I have Jenny Tare from the Daily Caller News Foundation. Jenny, great to have you here today. Thanks for having me. How, how have you been today? You know, have we had a safe trip in, everything like that? Everything's great. You know, it wasn't as long as my trip to Guatemala, but it was it was great. You know, D.C. is very swampy. Of so course, just had to course. cut through that political yeah. noise to get here. But I'm really happy to be here to talk about immigration. There's so much happening. Well, we're glad you're here. We're so yeah. excited to hear about your Guatemala trip. I heard so many fantastic things. It's going to be great to look at all of it. I think, you know, best thing we could do is dive right in. Um, so I heard that you actually had a chance to talk to the president of Guatemala. What was that like? Yeah. So I sat down with President Alejandro Yamate from Guatemala this is, you know, interesting because he's one of the one of the only presidents, leaders in Central America that really has, you know, good relations uh, with the United States on the immigration issue. Um, he obviously is asking for more aid from the United States to kind of deter illegal migration because it does uh, have attacks on their country just like it does for us. Um, but it was a very interesting conversation with him, seeing his perspective as kind of a transit country for illegal migration, people not trying to stay in Guatemala, but coming to the United States. And of course, we saw these migrants that were coming through. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it seems like the illegal immigration problems that they're having are very similar to what the United States is having. And I think you said you had, uh, in part of his conversation, you brought a clip here with you. We'd love to pull it up here. Um, if we could fire it up, let's get the video of Jenny talking to the Guatemalan president real quick here. Um, he had some very interesting things to say about the Biden administration, which I think our viewers would definitely love to see. Uh, let's listen in. Thank you so much, President Yamate, for talking to us today about this really important issue. Uh, we really appreciate you showing us what's happening on the ground here in, in Guatemala. And uh, we'd like to know about this issue from your perspective because we see it in the United States. Um, it's, it's a crisis, what's happening. There's migrants coming from all over the world. Here in Guatemala, the story is that you're very proud of the security you have at your borders. Um, do you believe that the policies in the United States right now under President Biden are encouraging mass migration to the United States? I believe that the migration is uh, multi-causal, but we have uh, recently seen a very serious increase in the number of migrants uh, seeking to cross our border. When Title 42 was eliminated, we see uh, even greater increase in the crossings through Guatemala, illegal crossings uh, through Guatemala to reach the United States illegally as well. And now that the Venezuelans, uh, uh, we understand, have the possibility of obtaining a visa, that means a, another problem for Guatemala. We have no relationships with Venezuela. We do not have diplomatic exchanges. We don't have an embassy here or there. And so therefore we cannot issue passports or any kind of identification for Venezuelan nationals. 
So seemed like a pretty interesting conversation there. Um, I didn't really necessarily understand, you know, before looking at this interview here, how much our policies actually affect the way that Guatem- the Guatemalan border and just the population of Guatemala is affected. Uh, did he kind of go into depth about that, about how, you know, he's talking about Title 42, things like that. Is that affecting his country in a really, you know, crazy way? Yeah, absolutely. And when you talk with the migrants, you hear exactly how shifts in rhetoric or policies in the United States are changing their patterns and their thoughts about whether to continue on with the journey or not. So when we were down there, which he mentioned, you know, the Biden administration started this new policy to expel Venezuelans who are illegally entering the country and then to also allow those who have sponsors in the U.S. to actually come in. Now, there's a cap on that. So many of these people that were coming through Guatemala that we met at the Honduran border in Agua Caliente, another port down there, um, they had all been apprehended by Guatemalan authorities. And we spoke with them and they said, if we had known that the Biden administration was going to do this before we left on our journey, we wouldn't have gone. Uh, They had found out when they were in Panama at the time. So you see how different messages get moved around. Of course, now we're hearing that Title 42 is going to end in about five weeks. The Biden administration is being given time to prepare for the influx of migrants that are going to come. And I'm sure the smugglers, as we're seeing, you know, when we go to Central America or the border and talk to migrants, like they use these messages to get people to come across and to, uh, you know, it's a, a source of enrichment for them. You know, they make yeah. so much money off of this crisis. Yeah. So obviously our policies are going to affect how this traffic is moving, how people are going to be moving through all these countries on their way to the United States border. With that being the case, you know, when we're making sweeping changes, whether it's, you know, trying to eliminate Title 42, whether it's doing things like, you know, expanding DACA, things along those lines, do you think the Biden administration is in contact with people like the Guatemalan president when he's making these, you know, giving a warning like, hey, you know, we're giving another amnesty measure out. Maybe you should prepare for a bigger flow of migrants coming in. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like there are warm relations, but I'm sure that they probably hope that, and I got kind of this feeling, this sense from them that they hope there's more conversations. Now, they have asked for a number of different tools of aid to kind of deter and expel migrants from Guatemala before they reach the U.S. Honestly, I don't know how effective that would be, seeing that already in Guatemala, they say that they do not let any let anyone in who's not from Central America because there's something called the C4 agreement. Migrants from anywhere in Central America can pass through Central American countries, no problem. So that's why you see easy transit for Nicaraguans, easy transit for Hondurans, things like that through Guatemala. There were people we met that right after the Guatemalans had told us that they deter people from other countries, that they stop them from coming in. You know, we just walked 100 yards up a road and we met migrants from Ghana, Haiti. So the Guatemalans have some tools to deter illegal migration. They showed us the special forces down there. They do joint operations with the Mexican military at the Mexican border near Tapachula. But, you know, I I don't know. It's, It's tough to say because, again, Central America is full of corrupt nations. It's hard to say, you know, should the U.S fully work with them, there has to be some form of accountability, you would think. So um, the Guatemalans asking for certain tools for aid, for example, uh, they wanted the U.S. to give them buses and planes to expel migrants. But again, Guatemalan president said, well, you know, we're not cooperating with Venezuela. Venezuela is not cooperating with us. So 
you have to have cooperation from these countries outside to be able to actually expel them, just like how Title 42 works in the U.S. Like, we don't expel people to Nicaragua, and they know that, so they come. Yeah, yeah, of course. And, you know, it seems like a lot of the information you're getting is from actual conversations with migrants along the way. And I think we actually have a little clip here that showed one of your conversations with them. Jenny, tell us about the people you, were, you met with here today on this clip that we're about to see. So these were migrants who had been apprehended by the Border Patrol in uh, Guatemala. They're from Afghanistan. There were a total of 15 of them in uh, this detention facility, and we interviewed a few of them from that group. Um, They were then expelled to the Honduran border. They're now in Mexico, actually. But they were held there for a few days in Guatemala, and we got the chance to speak with them about why they were coming to the United States and what their message was to the president. Was anyone telling you that the U.S. border is open to you? Yes, there are many pupils, many of our friends, they went from the uh, from this way, and they are reached to United States. They are reached to uh, Canada, and they are now have a, a very beautiful life. And they are telling us that okay, no problem, you can come. When you came through, you went to Brazil. Yes. Then you came through other countries. You talked about Panama. Yes. When you went through Panama, you said that they told you how to get to the United States. Yes. And that it was the United Nations workers. Is that? They told, they give us a map. They told how to cross these border. There is a migration process. There is not a migration process. But they told us how to go to U.S. border. Ten days we were in the forest, like in Panama. Yeah, yeah. and yeah, we 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 lost uh, connection with my family in Afghanistan. So they got more worried about us. It was very difficult for us to stay in the forest and pass the forest. Did you pay anyone to guide you? As I told you before, that we are looking the pupils. When when the pupils are going there, we are also following them. In some places, maybe we need it, but not in everywhere. In the United States. So some very interesting information that they were talking about. They said there's people helping them along the journey. It sounds like you know just based off of what you've been saying, what they've been saying inside of their conversations, a lot of people are flowing just in between different countries along the way. Does it seem like there's really any border in any of these countries? What does that look like? You know, tell me about their journeys. Tell me about their experiences. Something you might have learned that you didn't know before. Right. Well, clearly not because now right after they were expelled to Honduras, after we had interviewed them, they just came right through and now they're in Tapachula. Now, what I learned from them is that they're coming because of the U.S. evacuation from Afghanistan. Everything changed for them in their country. They have no, you know, freedom anymore, especially under the Taliban. Um, And they, you know, worked in the former government, some of them, and some of them were engineers and doctors and highly skilled people. Uh, So they talked a lot about how that really impacted their decision to come to the U.S. Um, Of course, now they're they're really struggling because they want, they told me, they want to do things as legal as they can. So in Mexico, they need to obtain a visa to pass through the country. A lot of migrants don't do that. They chose to. Uh, Their appointment there isn't until March. They don't have money. They don't have a shelter. The shelters are overwhelmed there. So it happens in other countries, too. And if you're a country like Mexico or Guatemala or Honduras, I mean, people are transiting. So there's no uh, there's no it's a different kind of thing. You're you're you know, they're going to eventually leave the U.S. They're not. And of course, that's why we're seeing 
kind of these internal issues where you have Republican governors busing migrants all over the country to sanctuary cities, to Democrat cities. Now, Governor Abbott from Texas just started busing migrants to a new destination in Philadelphia. Uh, so you see a lot of that happening. Yeah, no, they're, they're definitely uh, Abbott, Ducey, DeSantis. I mean, they've all taken turns kind of sending migrants all over to different places. And I think, you know, really a big reason we owe it to is just the mass flow that we've been seeing. Do you think, you know, in these conversations with different people that you were talking to, that there were sort of a air of, you know, now is a good, better time to come than others? You know, that so many steps, so many different things, you know, whether it's acquiring a visa in Mexico, so many different steps you have to take to come here legally. And, you know, it sounds like a lot of these people do want to come here legally. Do you think that there's a certain driving force that makes them want to do that journey right now? Or you think that was kind of inevitable? Well, you could hear it from the conversation we had is that they had friends who had done it before them recently. And so they knew it could be done for them as well. They knew they could get across the border here. The same thing with other migrants we spoke to. They know that you can literally walk across. And that's, you know, something that the Biden administration has said, no, that doesn't happen. People don't just walk across. I believe it was the press secretary who said that, Karine Jean-Pierre. <laughs> That's just not true. Like, you could literally just drive to the border right now and see that for yourself. It's it's constant. It's in many sectors. You can ask Border Patrol about it. They see it constantly. Um, you know, it's, it's really sad uh, because the Biden administration has just not taken attention to this issue and almost, like, ignored it. Um, not visiting the border, uh, not, not, you once. know, not making it this priority, which... Yeah. I mean, what, Harris flew into a fundraiser in Austin, I believe it was, you know, a few miles away from the border, didn't even decide to take a trip down. It's absolutely wild. And I mean, it's so just prevalent how open the border is that, you know, even the migrants in the video were talking about it, that there's actual roadmaps that are leading people to our border and how to get through Mexico, Guatemala, you know, countries along the way. Yeah, so we actually got a copy of a map uh, from Doctors Without Borders. They wow. distributed this. They distributed it in Panama to these migrants. That's one place. Um, they confirmed to us that they absolutely do this. It shows different clinics, shelters, and areas where they can get aid as they make their journey. But it has paths to get to the U.S. And you end up in places like El Paso. And you end up in places, you know, sectors in Arizona, like actual border sectors that you're seeing wow. surges right now in. Um, so it's interesting because, you know, of course, it's a dangerous, extremely dangerous journey to get to the U.S. But is it things like this that are incentivizing it or is it not playing a factor? I think that's a question we have to ask ourselves. Like, are we giving aid to the right groups? Of course, the U.S. does not give aid to Doctors Without Borders. Um, but it should I should note that many big tech companies do, um, including like Microsoft and Amazon. So it's something to take into account. Where are we putting all of our money? Because um, there's a lot of aid that we're throwing at Central America, at these corrupt governments, at these governments that clearly aren't successfully deterring illegal immigration. So what are we doing down there? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, on the map, you know, when we're talking about it, there's different stops along the way where you see, uh, you know, different sort of stations where they're helping people out along the way. And, you know, you talk about the funding mechanisms. Do you think that's U.S. taxpayer dollars that are funding people coming across through Mexico to our border illegally? I'm not sure. There's so yeah. many different. I think that's the hardest thing about what I've had to look at, you know, as an investigative journalist, looking through where is our money going and what is it actually going towards? I think uh, 
that's a big question I have that I'm constantly trying to understand. And honestly, it's a really hard nut to crack. I mean, it really is um, because there's just so many groups down there. There's so much U.S. funding being given to those groups. Are they promoting people coming through the country to get to the U.S. illegally? Or are they just trying to, you know, help someone who cut their leg in the jungle. I just don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's no way to really track it because, I mean, you know, it goes into different grants, which goes into different organizations, finds its way over there. I'm curious, were you able to actually meet with anyone from Doctors Without Borders there to try to understand a little bit about this map, what's going on with that? No, so Doctors Without Borders, there was no presence that I saw in Guatemala. Mm-hmm. Um, there was USAID. They funded uh, this facility that is an intake facility for Guatemalans who had been deported from the United States. So we did see, you know, USAID signage there. And of course, IOM, uh, which is the United Nations Organization for Migration. So they have a large presence in Guatemala. Yeah, which, you know, large part of our funding as well. That makes sense. Um, So I do want to go over this one last stop that you made, which was at a, I believe it was a detention facility that you went to. Yep. Uh, Tell me a little bit about it. So this was where migrants from Guatemala were being uh, received after they landed on a deportation flight from the U.S. And the Guatemalan government uses this facility to help them reintegrate into society. Um, It's a very interesting process because basically what happens is they're given an ID um, to come back into the country. They're given tools to find jobs and to find any other resources they would need medical care, anything like that. Uh, And then they just walk out of the facility and either their family members are waiting for them or there's a bus that takes them to where they're from. Wow. Okay. That sounds like, this sounds like a pretty uh, intense sort of location to be at. We have a few videos from inside here. Um, If you wouldn't mind telling us a little bit, where, where, what are we looking at here? Yeah. So this is right outside of uh, the facility as these migrants who are just deported and you can see them. They just got off the plane. They, you know, had their their ankles and their wrists shackled on this plane. Uh, They were not happy when they got off the plane. They were like visibly irritable, um, yelling at us, yelling at the people in the facility. Um, Some of them flipping the bird um, (laughs) at us. Um, Yeah. So they were I mean. As you'd expect. I mean, they were in a position where, okay, they didn't want to be there. Um, so that that's why it was interesting to me because it's like you clearly left for a reason um, and either like overstayed some kind of visa or you crossed the border illegally and your case was denied. Um, but then it's like the Guatemalan government is like, all right, come reintegrate into society. But you have to think like you're just like, are these people going to try to come back? Are they going to, you know, because you see a lot of that. Yeah. You see a lot of that, especially with Title 42. Title 42, um, you, you see a lot of recurring, you know, encounters, people just being encountered yeah. time and time over again. And over and over again. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, they have large masses of people there. Um, where I wanted to show this here is, I mean, are you able to tell the people who it's like, you know, their first, second, third time being deported, you know, can kind of tell along the way, like, oh, well, actually, let's let's go here first, um, where we could see people actually standing outside. You said that this is typically where people are going to be waiting for family members. Yeah. So that's the family members that were waiting outside. Um, and then, you know, the deportees would come out. They, uh, you know, re 
reunite with their family there and then they just go back to where they started essentially wow so this is just like right after being processed just standing there figuring out what's our next move what are we going to do that kind of thing okay Um, and then we also have some that are on a tarmac here, which I thought was pretty interesting, just like the sheer mass of people that we have. Um, and I believe you might have been talking to a uh, Guatemalan government official here, correct? Yes. Um, so they get a couple hundred people a week coming from the U.S. Um, these guys were the ones that were not so happy with us. Um, and we did talk to a few of them um, just about their journeys and and you know what their plans are some of them were very um upset with the biden administration for sending them back which is you know i think interesting because you so often when you meet migrants at the border once they've crossed you know they're they're so grateful to god they're grateful to biden they're grateful to the u.s for welcoming them in Uh, but then the ones that get deported which you know is not everyone not so happy, not so exactly. Happy. Yeah. yeah, no, um, I, I can imagine, you know, coming back, you know, back to their home country, you know, you walk the entire way through Mexico following the map that was given to you. Doctors Without Borders is supposed to be foolproof, be able to get you in the entire way. But, you know, once you get thrown back, I could uh, understand how that could be a little disappointing. Um, so, you know, a lot of these migrants that you had a conversation, that you had conversations with, you said, you know, some of them, that the ones that we were watching in the video that they're in Mexico now. Um, did you talk to anyone else? What were those stories like? Did anyone tell you where they are now? What's that sort of like? along their journey yeah so i actually met two guys from ghana um they were brothers they had traveled by boat and got to brazil and made their way up to guatemala where i met them at the honduran border uh they had then crossed into mexico uh and then about a week ago crossed into california from tijuana and yesterday texted me um, that they are on their way to Baltimore. They you know, sent me a picture of their ticket. They're taking the Greyhound bus from El Centro, California to Baltimore. Wow. Um, so far, every single migrant I've kept in touch with, which I try to keep in touch with as many as I can, that I meet at the border, in Guatemala, wherever, even in DC, uh, the ones that have been bused here. but. Uh, Every single one of them has been released into the country. Only one person, only one person has been uh, put into remain in Mexico. Then the program ended, and they were brought into the country. Well, and just so our viewers know, about how many migrants would you say that is that you have cell phone numbers of? Was it just easy to come? I would say it's maybe about a dozen. So it's you know it's huh. a drop in the bucket. But, hey, I mean, still, what, one out of ten or, you know. But I can also <laughs> tell you, speaking with Border Patrol agents, I mean, they see the constant flow and they know how many people are being released. So, obviously, it's at a greater scale, but... Um, yeah, I mean, that's majority are being released. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, release led right into the country. And then, you know, these people, you know, as they said, did they say they came across any resistance when they were coming across the border in California or, you know, there was anything to do? Because, I mean, a, a lot of what uh, Border Patrol is doing now is actually more border processing than anything. Uh, so, you know, they, did they even encounter anyone or? Yeah, it, it they turn themselves into Border Patrol, which is what you often see. I mean, I don't think the U.S. government returns migrants to Ghana. I don't think we have deportation flights to Ghana. Okay. I don't. I don't think. So what they're on right now is it's alternatives to detention, which is an ICE program. Um, so you often see a lot of these uh, migrants coming from outside of Central America, South America. Um, you know, put in some form of ICE custody. 
So they uh, they were given these cell phones that are used for checking in with ICE, self-check-ins, uh, as part of this alternatives to detention program. Now, just to clarify, the cell phones don't make calls or do anything that like a normal cell phone does. They're purely for checking in. Of course. Um, but yeah, so that's basically kind of the accountability measure that ICE takes with them okay. at this point. Nice, mm-hmm. nice. And, you know, you talk to all these people who, you know, they're, they're not from South America. A lot of them are from Asia or Africa. Um, do you know how they come over? Is it, you know, you get the flight to Brazil and then that's the easiest way up? Or is there certain countries you fly into? What does that look like? Oh, yeah. It's like all Brazil. That's like all of them say they go to Brazil. Um, okay. Is, is yeah. the laws are more lax there? It, or it do sounds like it's pretty lax there, um, which is interesting because... You know, for so long um, in recent time, like under Biden, it was, Bolsonaro was president. So, I mean, that's a pretty like conservative leader who was very aligned with uh, former President Donald Trump. So it's interesting that like under his kind of um, under his leadership that so many migrants used his country as transit to then get to the U.S. and surge the border. Um, so, yeah, it's something to think about. They they definitely it's a theme is Brazil. Um, to get to other countries. And and some of them will live in countries like Brazil um, or other areas that have like lax policies like Chile. Um, They'll live there for a couple of years and then decide to come kind of like work, make some money so that they can pay for the journey. You see that a lot with the Haitians that came, um, especially the ones uh, that showed up in Del Rio in September 2021. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it sounds like next trip might have to be Brazil from, you know, what I'm hearing here, try to get to the bottom of this investigation, (laughs) see how these people are coming over, how those laws are working. Um, We are a little bit up against it here. So I just wanted to uh, allow you, you know, if you have any socials anywhere where, you know, people could find you, see your content, would you like to give yourself a plug here? Sure. Why not? Well, of course, read the Daily Caller News Foundation, dailycaller.com. You can follow me on Twitter, Jenny S. Terror, same name on TikTok, if you choose to Download the CCP app. You can watch Borderline Insanity. It's a great show. And uh, yeah, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, of course. Well, Fair is also on the CCP app, so we're going to make sure we uh, plug that as well. Fair Immigration on all of our socials. Be sure to follow us, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Getter, Truth, all of them. We got them. Um, make sure you tune into our podcast. We have uh, Apple, Spotify, Google, you know, any way you listen to them. Also, check us out, YouTube, Rumble. Thank you so much for listening today. We appreciate you all coming on, and uh, have a good rest of your day. 